Welcome to season four of Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where we discuss important matters affecting the rural sector. Aspiring to unlock the potential of the rural economy, the Country Land and Business Association is the membership organisation that provides support and expert advice to landowners and rural business across England and Wales. Welcome to Rural Business Uncovered. Today we're looking at measuring sustainability of land management, increasingly expected to farm sustainably. DEFRA recently launched their Sustainable Farming Incentive and the Welsh Government are in the process of developing their Sustainable Farming Scheme. In many respects, sustainable farming has come to equate with reduced impact on the environment, whether that's climate, air, water or soils. Consumers and the supply chains are placing greater demands on farming businesses to be more environmentally responsible. And there is the ever-present threat of increased regulation if incentivizers don't work. Today, Susan Twining, CLA Chief Land Use Policy Advisor, Hugh Martinet, Head of Sustainability at Map of Ag, and John Renner, owner of Bells Hill Farm, talk us through what farming sustainably means and how it can be measured. Hello to you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. Susan, I'd like to start with some introductions and we'll start with you. Hello, I'm Susan Twining. Um, As you said, I'm the Chief Land Use Policy Advisor at the CLA. Um, In the Land Use team, we cover all policy areas related to agriculture, forestry and the environment. And sustainable farming is one of the key areas that we look at. Fantastic. Hugh, tell us more about your role. Thanks. Yeah, as head of sustainability at Map of Ag, we're working with our customers, predominantly in the supply chain uh, and looking at farm scale sort of measurement and monitoring of sort of environmental impacts. Um, really focused around how do we access information and data that helps inform the sort of sustainability position of a farm, and that can range from from water quality. Um, yeah, it's really about how do we get better information from farms to actually inform positions. So, John, what's life like at Bells Hill Farm? Oh, well, it, it, today it's cold and wet. Uh, no, we <laughs> farm in North Northumberland. Um, it's a, a stunning place. Um, I I became a, a, a LEAF member, linking the environment and farming. That's what LEAF stands for. In 2004, and uh, my wife Helen and I decided sustainability had to be key and that was going forward and it's just we're, we're engrossed in it and Alif have been so supporting over the time uh, we have um, 100 cows we produce beef uh, so we have 100 suckler calves we have 300 sheep and uh, a small area of arable. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing all about that. Uh, but Hugh, let's kind of go back to basics and break this down. What does farming sustainably actually mean? Well, sustainability generally means that we can do things in perpetuity without having a detrimental impact. It's uh, as simple as that. It's something that can continue forever without having any negative impacts. So in Farming in that context, I mean, there are basically three pillars of that sustainable uh, measurement there. So economic performance, we need to maintaining a good level of income and profit uh, so that we can continue the activities. It's got to be socially um, responsible and uh, treating 
uh, people in an appropriate way, obviously. And then there's the environmental component. Uh, so obviously making sure that we don't have any negative impacts on the environment. So yeah, quite simply making sure that those three pillars are upheld. So John, tell us more about your farm then. What does sustainable farming mean to you? Obviously sustainability is a big, is a big part of, of your farm, but what does that actually look like? It's uh, it's all encompassing. I, I I take a I say to people when I'm when I'm joking on that it's a little bit of a hippie approach. We take a huge holistic view about what we do, and latterly I've taken up uh, another idea and I said it, it, it's it's like taking layers off an onion, but the onion's getting bigger all the time, uh, and you never get near the center. It just gets more and more interesting, more and more exciting, and ever more complex. And it, it, it comes down to how we breed the cattle. It comes down to how we monitor and control the soils. It's everything Hugh's just said. Uh, but when you put it in action, it gets so much fun. I'm going to ask you another question on that. The complexity around sustainability then, do you think that's growing through our better and bigger understanding of what we can do in sustainable farming or is it you know driven just by you being extremely aware of the environment and and how we have an important role to play i'll answer that slightly differently if that's okay i was speaking to a group of farmers um a a few days ago and one turned around and and said uh, oh i i i did uh cultivations once uh, for one year, didn't work for me, so I'm not doing it again. And um, and I, I sort of, you've got to be careful what you say. Stoop back, bit my tongue a little bit, and I say, well, it's one of those things. It doesn't happen in year one, year two, or year three. It happens in year four and five, and that's when the soils start to adapt themselves to the the, the way you're farming them. And it, it's just the longevity of the thing. Uh, and and you start asking more questions about why things aren't performing um, and and why things in some cases perform really well. A really interesting point. And, I, you know, kind of thinking of that from two sides of the coin, obviously, sustainability, as you said, is about the long term. But as we are seeing so much change, it must be kind of hard to think you know, think that, as you say, I don't want to say hippie, but with that holistic long-term view. Um, Susan, how does sustainable farming fit within policy thinking? I think sustainability is at the core of a lot of the policy that we're seeing at the moment. It's it's actually embedded in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which have been around for quite some time now. And it's it's one of the drivers within the the development goals to have sustainable agriculture. Now, clearly, they're at a global level. um, And when we bring that back down to UK, uh, we are looking at um, uh, focusing on sustainable agriculture, sustainable farming as part of both the English and the Welsh policies coming forward. We know that agriculture has an environmental impact and much as we, no matter how well you farm, um, there is an impact from the way from farming and from food production. And the aim really with sustainable farming is to minimize that. So what we're seeing in agriculture policy is supporting incentives to help you do that. So there's a sustainable farming incentive, which currently is focusing on soils, but will will broaden out to include 
wider requirements or wider opportunities to get incentive to help move towards more sustainable farming through um, some of the new standards that are coming forward. There's grants for infrastructure as well, which will help you farm more sustainably. So um, we're expecting a, a slurry grants for, for slurry stores coming out soon, which will help to reduce the risk of pollution from slurries and allow you to manage slurries in a better way so you can be more efficient about how you use them, which will also reduce the need for nitrogen fertilizers, which helps with climate change. So there's lots of things that can be done and policy, the government schemes are actually helping people to do that one. Um, but it's not just about um, it's not just about the government schemes. The market, as Hugh mentioned earlier, the supply chain is actually driving a lot of these changes within the sector as well. So I think that's something that we, you know, we need to explore in a bit more detail because the anybody who's involved in a supply chain where they're supplying directly into a market, uh, so the dairy sector or poultry, they tend to they tend to be quite a close relationship and increasing demands on doing carbon footprints or measuring some of the sustainability aspects, which can be tedious um, to start with. But I think most people eventually find out that actually it's a good thing. And I'd be interested to hear what John says about that, because sometimes it's getting over that initial um, barrier of thinking that gathering data and analyzing it is a bit of a bit of a, an extra job that you can't be bothered with but you need to be looking beyond that to the value that that really drives for your business thank you hugh you talked earlier about those three important pillars you know how sustainable farming is not just about the environment but also about economic performance can you speak more on that and how it actually can improve profits yeah um, i think it's a really important point and uh, we've got to look through a more sort of broader lens of things, because I think if you treat things like greenhouse gas emissions in isolation, sometimes you can miss the bigger benefit in terms of overall production efficiency. So generally speaking, um, I'm going to state the obvious here, farming is about harvesting nutrients and sunlight. There's two key components there. And the more efficiently you can do those things, turn effectively nutrients into nutrients, then the more sustainable you're going to be. Um, it's about avoiding wastage and, and losses within that system. And if you think about the soil and that our livestock as being, I suppose, the engine room of the farming system, if we're actually using fewer nutrients in those engine rooms, then actually they can operate far more efficiently and generate output in a, in a sustainable way. And really what that boils down to is, say, this resource efficiency component and what what drives uh, whatever drives resource efficiency will, generally speaking, have a positive impact on profitability as well. So if we look at this as an efficiency measure, then there are obviously going to be in, uh, positive influences on profitability as well. I think there is another sort of measure to that as well, though it's that efficiency gain that can be made within the system, but also just understanding what the land is capable of as, as well and not forcing it to do things that it can't or won't be capable of doing. And then I think in those circumstances, then you can understand that nutrient balance more. You understand more about what the soil is capable of. You understand what the best livestock are and uh, that suit that or the best cropping system that might suit the, that land use. And then you can start to use those those nutrients, as I say, in the most efficient way possible. And there are yeah, benefits across each of those pillars of sustainability to generate uh, um, a sort of a sustainable farming system. John, you have an understanding 
of land, as you've talked about already. But can it improve profits? I, I think it can. I, I think it can, but it, it takes a long time. Hughes, Hughes just said it so well there, actually. So I'll come in with my big farmer club on boots and, and put it in farmer's terms. We try to monitor and control everything. If we have a problem, we try to look at it and say, before we try to control it, we'll, we'll try and monitor it and see how bad the problem is or whatever. So actions happen after we've, we can say, well, that's really bad or that's not really bad. Um, for instance, uh, we've now, we're starting to do an admin tests on the soil, which measure the amount of nitrogen that, that microbes are producing within the soil. Uh, and then we'll um, apply nitrogen accordingly. And actually the spring barley this year needed no extra dressing of, of nitrogen. But, but then it gets even more complicated in the, that the manufactured nitrogen that you're applying can inhibit the action of the microbes. So it, it, get, it gets so complicated. And we're, we're trying to steer away from manufactured fertilizers completely and just use farmyard manure as much as we can. Um, where the cattle, within the cattle, what we've uh, aspired to or aspiring to do is to make it as efficient as ever possible. And so actually we use benchmarking and we use Newcastle University as, as um, our benchmark. And um, our gross margins are some of the biggest, best gross margins within um, all uh, circular herds in the north of England. Uh, but it's that's partly down to we've bred in ease of carving. We we get 98% carving for the last six years. We have 100% non-assistant carving within the last seven years. We have we are we are in the, about something like the top four percent of disease-free herds in the country, which directly affects our output and how the cattle can utilize the nutrition. So it's all that. Constantly um, monitor and control all the way through. We work really closely with our vets with the cattle. So this seems like a bit of an obvious question, but John, you mentioned earlier about that onion, that growing, you know, understanding of what sustainability means. How do you know if you are farming sustainably? Is there a point where you're like, right, we are monitoring at a point we understand how we're doing this with this kind of end goal of forever being circular? It's not an end goal. Because the end goal moves because the onion's getting bigger. That's what's happening. The it's a giant onion. It's colossal. Uh, and uh, the one thing that we do use is because we're members of LEAF, um, we use the, the LEAF audit and we, we make sure we can annually, uh, Helen and I, um, fill in the LEAF audit and we can tell how we're progressing on different things where we're not doing well within the business, where we are doing well. It's not just all financial. It's about our impact on the environment. Our, they're, they're bringing carbon more and more into the leaf audit. Uh, and, and that's we use that as a manage, management tool. Um, and we, we kick ourselves. When, you know, we're, we're not, we're not um, doing enough with our plastics. We're not, um, we haven't got all the light bulbs sorted within. We, we, we now are using... Um, We've sort of got an on-farm policy that we're, we're trying to change the tractors more regularly, service the tractors more regularly, so that the engines are, are newer, they're more efficient, and they have less impact. We're trying to reduce the amount of horsepower that's working on the farm. So the, the, the weight of the tractor 
is less. So it has less impact on the soil and we're burning less diesel constantly as the soil gets better. Thank you, same question to you. Um, the ultimate goal here is uh, to use a bit of uh, jargon, circularity, being able to use nutrients within a circular system, um, ensuring that we are able to reduce the reliance upon fossil fuel inputs into agricultural systems is critical. So we're, we're basically harvesting sunlight from uh, now and within recent cycles rather than uh, in the form of oil, which was harvested thousands of years ago. So that's a critical point to this is that's got to be the end goal really is where we remove our reliance from on uh, fossil fuel derived inputs in the system. Um, I think we're probably some way off that at this point in time, uh, but John sort of mentioned things like soil, soil health, lots of discussion around regenerative farming systems. And I think that can probably get the ball rolling in terms of the right direction, getting healthy functioning soils, which can cycle nutrients in a far more efficient way. But regeneration, I suppose, is the first step and we need to be moving towards more circularity within the system, recycling nutrients from within our systems. Um, the system boundary is quite an interesting concept within that as well, though, actually, because we as human beings process a lot of food and create a lot of nutrient, which is probably going to have to be brought back into the system in order to uh, displace a lot of the fossil fuel uh, uh, nutrients which are brought into the system already. So I think that's probably a big key next step is actually what technologies are going to harvest nutrients that are uh, from sort of human sources rather than uh, rather than actually just within the system because we are big processors of nutrients which don't get recycled at this point in time. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really interesting question about how do you know that you're farming sustainably because I think most most farmers would want to believe that they are farming sustainably already. And I think what John's saying is that actually there's always more to do, there's always more to know, and there's always more that, that can be done. And then new technology will come along and allow you to do more. So I think this isn't a, a static thing. Farming sustainably is not going to be a static thing. I think the important thing is that people understand where they are now and then look at what they could do better and do differently. And I think the other thing about farming sustainably, we've already heard lots of different things. We've heard about, uh, you know, about, about fuel use. We've heard about carbon. We've heard about nutrient use. We've heard about waste, plastics. This isn't just one thing. This is a measure of lots of different things. And some of them are, some of them work together. Some of them will, might, might be a little bit antagonistic and conflict a bit. So it's about finding a way for your holding and individual holdings about the, the most sustainable way, given the resources that you've got and given the land that you've got and what you're interested in and the sort of farming that you're doing. Um, so for example, you know, uh, livestock farming is, is, probably always going to have um, a bit of residual carbon um, emissions because of the methane production from ruminants. Whereas, uh, but there will be things that could be done. We're looking at new innovations in diets that might be able to reduce the, the emissions. But that, so if, you, and if you've got a different business that's maybe um, looking at you know on an arable business then their big issue will be about nitrogen fertilizer so it is about looking at your own holding and understanding where the big levers are and i think what most i think what's most interesting when we've um, worked with people looking at carbon footprints that there's always one big thing that you can do and it's starting at the one big thing 
um, and then starting to look at, as John's done, got down to the, the greater and greater detail or something, a new topic that actually maybe is of, of interest or value will, will crop up. There are some tools that need hundreds of data points. So Susan, how can we make it easy to measure sustainability? Um, yeah, like you say, I mean, the, the uh, John's mentioned the LEAF audit, that's a, a good place to start. There's uh, nine different categories with that, each with different data points. Um, there's other tools that do do similar things. There's a the Sustainable Food Trust are looking at a global farm metric that's looking to standardize or to uh, make it more consistent in the way people are measuring sustainability, not just in the UK, but for trade and uh, trade reasons and across the globe, which could be really helpful. Because I think in some ways it's that consistency that might be more of a barrier to people measuring things. There's a lot of data already held in, in farms that can be used. Um, and I think most farms will be using some sort of software for their their accounts and that can actually provide quite a lot of data being able to pull that in um and i i think it can be quite a daunting task when you first start but once you start into the process of it whatever tool that you use then you start to um, build up that picture and that understanding and that's when and as soon as it starts becoming valuable information and useful information for decision making it doesn't become a chore anymore. It's actually a, a part of running your business. And I think that's where we need to be able to get to. And there are you know, a number of tools that can be used to help you. And a lot of the supply chain um, actors um, within the, will, will collect data and then do benchmarking and share that within a group as well, which can be really valuable. They, they do the number crunching part of it, which can be difficult um, for many people and actually help people to understand more about the, the perspective of their figures and what that means. The Country Land and Business Association has been safeguarding the interests of landowners and rural businesses since 1907. Through membership, you gain influence with government policymakers, exclusive and highly valuable knowledge on rural issues, and limited access to tailored advice on all aspects of land ownership from experts, contact with specialist rural services and suppliers, and support from providers who understand your needs on insurance, healthcare, and energy. Hugh, does it matter whether you measure at a whole farm level enterprise or, or product? How does that work? Uh, each have value uh, if you're measuring at different levels. I think the preference would always be to sort of take a holistic farm scale measurement, but I think there's value in looking specifically at enterprises because sometimes when you when you take a enterprise or a product basis you can actually delve into a little bit more detail to actually understand what the interactions might be of the whole farm but means you can actually drill down into quite a lot more detail specifically to that enterprise um, so we do both actually uh, in the work that we do depending on who we're working on behalf of um, there'll be certain people who are interested in specific products that come from farms um, and really want to delve down into quite a lot of detail and what we tend to be able to do is when we when we go into lots of detail we we are able to extract data automatically from various different sources, which can help us understand some of the um, 
some of the indicators which are important for those products or those those enterprises. So a good example of that is you've got a really rich data resource in things like cattle movement service data, so uh, cattle tracing service. You, you can infer a lot of uh, of information from that when you process it in the right way so you can get a good indication of herd fertility. You can me- uh, measure monitors of growth rates when you couple that with kill data or with other information from within the supply chain. Again, with milk production data, you can then uh, drop some some pretty intelligent um, outcomes based on purely automated uh, information. And those sort of what we term key performance indicators are so important for those businesses and trying to un- understand the efficiency, but also where the opportunities for uh, improvements in efficiency lie. And going back to things like greenhouse gas emissions, they will generally speaking be driven a lot by efficiency and those gains that can be made uh, by sort of improving on some of those key performance indicators. But that's not the be all and end all there are. I think it'd be... Um, we can't focus exclusively on greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, there are there's a lot more to sustainability than that, and there's there are certain elements of it which are really quite difficult to measure in a in a quantitative way. And sometimes you need a bit more qualitative information. You need to put people into in the farmed environment to actually see whether uh, there are opportunities for improvement in certain areas, especially around things like biodiversity, uh, where you basically need to get get into detail on that and start doing. Um, ecological surveys, understanding what species diversity you have there and how that could be enhanced. And that's a lot of what we've done at home on the farm, actually, is understanding a little bit about the baseline position from an ecological perspective and then trying to understand actually how you enhance that maintenance and enhancing. And that that's a bit more challenging. There's not like a, a really easy automated data source that can help populate some of that stuff. And pin John? Uh, I mean, I'm, again, Hugh, I'm agreeing with you far too much. We're not having a conflicting discussion are we but we uh what we did a few years ago i thought how can we improve what we do and i i've told this story a few times uh, i took a page out of what the olympic cycling team did a number of years ago they realized they had to improve by 10 percent, but not one thing gave them a 10 percent advantage so they looked at the whole of the cycling team and they improved 10 different things by one percent and it gave them the 10% the gain that they wanted. And we've tried to do that. We, we try to do that on the farm consistently or, or constantly, whether it be growing spring barley or whether it be producing calves, that we, we look at a number of things and say, well, we can't just buying one bull won't affect it hugely. It'll be a, 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 a number of different things that are gonna, going to affect the outcome. And so let's try and tweak whether it be the soil, whether it be the herbage mix, whether it be the protein in the grass and whether the the cattle can utilize the protein. Have we got the breeds that are right for utilizing grass protein? And all those things come together and gave us that 10% advantage. We're still doing it. We're still looking for another 1%, 1% constant. John, do you ever have to deal with environmental conflicts? And if so, how do you deal with that? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm humbling and mumbling there, aren't I? Um, we, we, we have, you know, water control, pollution control, uh, water runoff. Those are big things. Uh, ammonia gases um, off muck heaps, flood mitigation. That's a big thing. Um, 
Um, another one is uh, I've touched on it earlier about spreading fertilizer. Uh, the cost of fertilizer is is inhibiting the the profitability on on wheat. So we've got to look is is it is that actually the the impact of putting that fertilizer on the wheat? How can we get around that problem? Because uh, one, it's a cost, and two, it's an it's got environmental impact as well. So there's a few things there. Um, um, yeah, no, that's great. Um, the example I've been given here is like using less nitrogen can reduce carbon footprint, but ultimately reduces the output. Um, did you want to speak on that, John, at all? Or I can head over to Hugh. Well, I, I can do. What we do now is, again, it's it's monitoring control. We analyze and test all the muck we produce on the farm. We buy in straw uh, where, where we, we'll increase the amount of cows. We want to increase the amount of cows so we increase the amount of farmyard manure. But then we've got to monitor can, and control that manure going on. So we've got to analyze that manure. And so we can, we can spread and, and we're doing different things with that manure that's coming out. Some is spread directly out of the shed. Some is put in a manure heap that you see all over the place. And some is actually mulched. And we'll test each one and see how it, how it we, we know exactly where we're going with that now, but it's taken us about three years to try to understand what we're doing. Um, the, the one thing, the magic thing I want is a, a very rate a variable rate muck spreader. If I could get that for Christmas, I'll be just over the moon. Um, but uh, they're very, very expensive. You? Yeah, no, we've been doing some work with variable rate um, muck and uh, slurry spreaders. So basically real-time slurry um, variable rate is really an interesting prospect because you get such a variable product in, in lots of ways. Uh, it's just sampling from a pit can um, can give not a, a not a particularly accurate um, representation of the entire store. So actually applying uh, using uh, near infrared analysis on the application point actually can really help the targeting and speed up or slow down the vehicle in order to um, distribute the the nutrients at a level which is required. And then that obviously needs to be then coupled with good soil soils data. So. Greater precision generally will mean we can use nutrients in a far more targeted way, reducing the environmental impacts and improving productivity at the same time, which is a is a big benefit. Um, again, things like but nitrogen or the use of inorganic nitrogen can be reduced according to the uh, the understanding of soil. So things like soil nitrogen supply testing, understanding again season alongside things like soil probes for temperature and moisture. And these are all things that can basically help reduce the amount of nitrogen we need to optimize the output. And that's critical. That's that's the bit that will help reduce the nitrous oxide emissions from the application. It will help reduce the emissions in the production of inorganic fertilizer. It will help reduce ammonia and it will help reduce nitrate. All of those things are nit reactive nitrogen impacts. I think John wants to jump in there. I, I was flabbergasted the first time we measured the chlorophyll uh, in, in leaf, uh, I knew how much we put put on the field, uh, and we measured them, and we were wanting to bring down our rates. Um, and I knew I had to put sixty kilograms per hectare more on, and it said put sixty kilograms per hectare more on to maximise the output. Flabbergasted how accurate it was. And just another dimension to that we've been looking at is organic matter in soils. We know that in healthy soils with 
good levels of organic matter, they will cycle nutrients more efficiently. And we see that coming through in the data. So people who have been growing cover crops for a number of years now are turning over nutrients more within the soil and requiring less inorganic nitrogen going into that mix. We've seen um, sort of standard rate of applications of somewhere near 200, 220 kilograms of nitrogen. In some instances, come down near to 150, 160 over the course of the last four or five years. The really big positive impact for the inclusion of more organic matter within the soil is nitrogen use efficiency. We get really caught up in uh, soil carbon sequestration, whereas the big benefit is productivity and reduced nitrogen use. Hugh, is this just something for larger farms? Um, uh, no, not at all. I mean, this can be, I think, focusing around these sorts of things that we've talked about today. Sure enough, the technology uh, may cost some money, like John was talking about having variable rate application uh, in their uh, manure or slurry tankers, yeah, that's going to cost quite a lot and probably need some some acreage to divide the, the cost by. But that doesn't mean that there's not technologies or not good use of data that can be applied at any scale of farming. This is something that just needs a bit of focus. Uh, it might be done a bit differently at smaller scales, but it's it's very much appropriate for all. John, did you want to jump in there? Or- yeah, I am... Um... I, I see it as, as we've got to farm the good land better and maximise its output. The, the poorer land, we've got to recognise and say, OK, we, we can put that into field margins or, or uh, into various rotations or a different type of grassland or a herbage-rich pasture. But I, I think when it comes to cereal production, we've got to look at the land we can, that, that can produce a reasonable yield and make a margin and farm that better. We... we the the days are coming to the end of where farmers are going to be able to produce wheat on very low productive land. Hugh, where can you get advice and support on data gathering, you know, making sense of the data and using it to improve the business? Um, I think it's one of those things you can look internally first. You don't necessarily need to sort of go out and get lots of advice on it. You, you know, as a farmer, I know as, as a farmer myself, there are data points that are available within the farm business that can be used better i think so use just looking internally before going out to get lots of advice on it and sort of just thinking logically about what data is available to me today um in terms of getting advice on that there are advisory services in scotland and wales which are very well funded and may have uh, good uh, information through farm and connect or the farm advisory service in scotland in england i'm a little bit less less certain of the exact avenues for a lot of that advisory activity at the moment. Um, So I would say that there are a number of different avenues you can look down, but a lot of it you can probably not look internally and just sort of think logically about the sort of data sources that are available on farm. I'd also think about it in terms of impact area. So where are my, where's my greatest sort of cost to the business and where are my greatest impacts environmentally within the business as well? So focusing on data that uh, is impacted in those sorts of areas. So feed, if you're in a livestock business, uh, looking at how can I refine the way I use feed uh, within the business. Forage quality is a key element of that. And then looking at things like fertilizer use that we've concentrated quite a lot on here in terms of like what diagnostic tools can I use to understand what the crop requirements are and sort of looking at the previous cropping, soil nitrogen supply, um, and what sort of things can I use within the season is is really important as well. So, yeah, I tend to talk about things around the use of feed, fertilizer, fertility within livestock is key, and things like growth rates as well. All of those things are available 
farmers now don't need vast quantities of advice to know how to use it so i'd like to finish on a key message or you know one thing you'd like listeners to take away from listening to you all today susan for me because it's a policy because i come from a policy team i'm always looking for government the role what the role of government should be and i think for me um it's really about the government role should be about building confidence and setting clear guidance on how to measure and assess what these sustainability metrics are and to help, uh, you know, that might go further in providing incentives, but at least having that clarity and transparency about what is needed um, will help a lot of people get started. You? Uh, just very simply, don't overcomplicate it. It can be a bit of a daunting uh, idea if you think of sustainability in its entirety and and actually i think things like the global farm metric are, are great but i think they try and do too much on day one think about what your own farm business is think about where the impacts lie where the efficiency gains can be made and if i would do, do nothing else for my farm it would be to actually look at the nutrients in versus the nutrients out and see what the where the efficiencies gains can be made in terms of those that that balance of nutrient that would be where i'd start every time and john i'm going to say something very unlike me actually i'm going to say You've, you've got to look at current government policy and see where they are going because you, you, we're too small as individuals to change that. And so that's where we're being directed towards sustainability within farming. And the best thing you could do if you're thinking about it is go to a farm that's practicing these sort of methods and have a look at it and visit the farmer and see if you can integrate that within your farm. You always come out with one good thing. Fantastic. Well, thank you all so much, genuinely, for your time today. It's been fascinating. John, Hugh and Susan, it's been really great unpacking sustainable farming. We've covered everything from three key pillars of sustainability, how to measure your impact, policy thinking, and of course, the importance of understanding how your farm or land specifically can be sustainable in the right way for you. One thing's for sure, sustainability is not static. As John rightly said, think more growing onion. Thank you all for listening. This has been a Rural Business Uncovered. If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, cla.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you can join us again soon. You have been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode.